Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. Still yet another podcast from Chris and Judy, and I'm here with, I'm here with my wonderful and talented and, and so inspiring friend. Christine Heath, coming to you from Hawaii. Yes. And uh, we're really, we love working together. So we're, we're going to try to not just say, keep saying the same nice things about each other, but we really love working together and we live in a mutual admiration society. We do. Which is uh, a nice feeling. <laughs> really, it's a nice, it's a, it's a very uh, uh, deep friendship we have. Yes. So together uh, today, we want to talk to you about uh, a word that we use a lot in among principles practitioners, and you've probably heard it often if you've been involved with us, which is uh, impersonal. And when we say the word impersonal, we don't mean uh, indifferent, but I think a lot of people hear it that way. So when you hear someone say, well, you know, just try to be, try to be more impersonal, try not to take things personally, uh, people from the vernacular will hear something like, well, just don't pay attention to other people, don't care what they think or feel, <laughs> you know, just uh, be indifferent to what's going on. And that, that's not true at all, <clears throat> because we're really talking about your internal uh, way of seeing things. It's not about, uh, you know, what you're doing with other people. It's about how you see life. And when you can look at life from a less personal perspective, from an impersonal perspective, you're not focused on what does this have to do with me? How am I doing? You know, how's it going for me? What should I do next? What do people think of me? You know, is this the right thing to do? I don't know. When, you, when you're impersonal, you're in a, in a, in a really beautiful feeling in which it's not about you, it's about all of us together. It's about you in, in connection with the moment and, the, and whatever's in that moment. Mm -hmm. So in, instead of the questions that come to mind being, what about me, or all of those questions I just said, it'd be more like, you know, what, what would be the next thing to do? How could I be helpful? You know, what, is this, what does this situation call for? You know, and you're asking, you're asking for your wisdom, not asking for some personal evaluation or some judgment about how you're doing. <laughs> and impersonal in the, in, the, in the sense of how we use our thinking refers to that. And impersonal in the sense of how we talk about the principles is that the energy that flows through us is not unique to us. It's the energy of life. It's the energy that every living thing shares that is, has access to in the world. The wisdom that flows through to us is what we need to hear, but it's generalized in the sense that we all have access to the source of wisdom. And that's not personal. It's just a, it's a, it's like in Star Wars, it's the force. You know? So, 
Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I think that happens is that we live in this world of personal thoughts. Mm-hmm. We live in our own thinking all the time. And the amount that we, you know, to the degree that we understand that, we kind of live at the effect of our thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, we don't know we're thinking, we don't know what's causing our experience. <laughs> and so when somebody says something to us, it, it, to me, I, I always think about that as the the um, the interpreter that lives in my head. Sometimes I call it the pimp that lives in my head because <laughs> my thinking tends to get uh, to be about me in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is because we don't, uh, we're not aware that it's our thinking that's creating our reaction. It seems like it's the outside world that's creating a bad feeling in us. And that's the illusion that thought creates when we're in an insecure state of mind. So when people are really insecure, other people can see like, oh, she's so insecure, you know, but all that really means is that she's living in a lot of really negative thoughts about herself. And those are the thoughts that are interpreting every single interaction that you have. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we take things personally, we're really just thinking about what the person is saying from our own belief system. You know, and that's kind of what the problem is, is that when as we grow up, we think wrong about life. We think wrong about ourselves, And then we don't know that our thoughts can be wrong. So it looks like it's the truth because consciousness takes and makes whatever you think seem real. So if you think that you're fat and ugly, that will look real to you. Like I've got this guy that I'm working with now in my men's violence group, and he um, is a gorgeous man. I mean, he's drop-dead gorgeous physically in appearance, so insecure. And he goes to the gym, and all he can think about is how fat and ugly he is, which is hilarious to me because that's how I used to be, right? And I I, I, I just... (laughs) not used to men that are buff and, you know, really great, big guy, just yeah. really sweet um, when he's not mad. But, you know, it, it's that that he would get caught up in that insecurity. And he's like, oh, you know, I just, I, I put on weight and I have to exercise. If I don't exercise, you know, I'm going to like become really fat, blah, blah, blah. But it's just our own personal thinking. And that's why we it feels so personal because <laughs> it's your thinking, and consciousness mm-hmm. doesn't have a, a like a, a truth factor in it. So you, if you think something that's not true, consciousness doesn't care. It's like you think it, boom, here you go. It's like everything you think, you get the result of that. That's what you see. That's mm-hmm. what you feel, and it looks like it's not you doing that. So when people say things that offend us. We take it personally, you know, Mm -hmm. like we were doing this um, talk at the um, for the Hawaii Psychological Association. Right. And one of the guys was asking me when I um, started off as a marriage and family therapist. And I told him 1976, he goes, I wasn't even born then. And I was like, (laughs) laughing, right, (laughs) because I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and, I, and I cracked up and you could see everybody else is like, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that, right? And I'm yeah. laughing. I'm, I, I didn't take it personally. I mean, the truth is, is that I am old. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't for it. I mean, you know, like that's great to me that I'm still working and I'm still presenting at conferences and I'm still doing things that are new. I think that's yeah. fabulous. And, uh, but, you, you know, it's like people say things and, like if I'd been in a really bad mood, right? If my yeah. state of mind was different, I might have thought, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm working with these people that are my kids' age, you know? Like it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I could have thought all kinds of things about it. But it's kind <laughs> of that, you know, that when the things that we take personally are the things we believe, right? Like I don't have a thought about that. You know, like if somebody came up to me and said, Chris, have you been getting enough sleep? You're kind of looking like old. Now that I might react to, I'm like, am I? Oh my God, I got to go look at that, you know, because that's about that, right? So yeah. the things that we personalize and take personally are things we think, but we look out at life and think that life is making us think that way. Yeah. It is funny how uh, people take different things personally. It's funny. I had a... Uh, Years ago, I had a friend who was um, getting a divorce. And the reason she was getting a divorce is because her husband wanted to marry somebody else. And they'd been married for more than 30 years, and they had grown children. And uh, everybody around her was like, oh, I bet you just hate him. You know, they, everybody turned on her husband you know, because... Because that wasn't very nice, and uh, and so she was a good friend, and and uh, and and she knew the work that I did, and I said, you know, I think it's just wonderful that you have such a such a calm and philosophical attitude towards this. And she said, well, you know, uh, I had a very happy marriage for thirty seven years, and I loved him. We had a great time together, and we raised these beautiful children. And, you know, he changed his mind. And I didn't change my mind. And I'm not going to change my mind. I'm just going to ha- live with my happy memories and go on from here and see what happens as a single woman. And, you know, I mean, that's possible. It's not the usual, but it was genuine for her. And she's like my poster child for people who don't th- take things personally. She was very understanding. And the interesting thing was her grown children were not quite that understanding. <laughs> and they, they were furious with their father and they were worried about their mother and they were just all freaked out. And I ended up, you know, trying to talk to them to help them to calm down. And they said, well, she's living in La La Land. You know, she, she, should, she should get every penny she can get from she, blah, blah, blah. You know, they were just on a rampage. And I said, you know, I think it's beautiful how she's handling it. And I think what, that if you had that much equanimity about it, you could forgive your father and still have a good relationship with him because this is a human situation that happens. And what your mother sees that you don't see is that it had nothing to do with her. And he feels bad about leaving her, but he's just caught up in this other situation. 
And it's not like he's going to punish her or blame her. Nobody's blaming anybody. Everybody's kind of seeing this is how humanity sometimes plays itself out. And, and, and then she said, she said another time to me, she said, you know, I couldn't possibly make him stay. So why not let him go with a good feeling and stay in touch so that, so that the kids and the grandkids over time will feel good about having a family. And I mean, that's so unselfish, but unselfish is a kind of high-minded form of impersonal because it's, it's, it allows her to, ha- to be at peace right. and to go forward and have a nice life. Yeah. Otherwise, she's going to suffer in that because that'll always be the case that he left, mm-hmm. right? right? And so that's what gives us the ability to be resilient and um, right. move on beyond the bad behavior of other people. Yeah. But if you personalize it, it lives in you. Yeah. And the thing is you're punishing yourself Mm -hmm. when people take things personally that it's actually, I see it as kind of a, as a starter for the insecurity that comes around. It's sort of like when you press the starter on a car, (laughs) you know, suddenly the engine revs up. And what happens is when you start taking things personally, not you know there's a there's a way to see that every human being on the on the face of the earth is doing what seems right to them in that moment, given the state of mind they're in and the understanding they have of life mm-hmm. and it may seem terrible to you, but it seems okay to them at that moment mm-hmm. and that's because we all live in our own separate realities that we're creating with our own thinking at that level of understanding and that state of mind that we're in and um, getting into judgment about what other people are doing or saying is just a way to create pain for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, should you get into judgment if somebody is wielding a knife and say, I'm thinking I'm going to get out of here and I don't want yeah. any part in that I'm going to call the cops and they're going to put him in jail. Of course you should, you know, but that doesn't, that's not the same as getting into judgment. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, there's a story about my daughter when she was in college. She went to college in, in New York City at NYU. And there were a tremendous number of homeless people in her neighborhood. And the people who lived in that neighborhood tended to just befriend them uh, because because they're neighbors, basically. They see them all the time. And, you know, if she went in to buy a donut and there was somebody outside that she knew, she'd buy a donut for them too and that kind of thing. And so she got to know the people. And um, one time she was uh, coming up back from class and there was two Vietnam vets that she had gotten to know that were homeless, that they lived in the same kind of crate. They had a big crate that they lived in. And uh, one of them was wielding, he was drunk and he was wielding a knife and he was going to stab the other one. And the other one was trying to wiggle out of the way, you know, and get out of the crate and get away. But this guy was more powerful and Sarah saw the whole thing from a distance and she knew this guy, both of them. And so she called out his name. I just, I'll say John just because it's a name. She called out his name and she said, John, stop it. God doesn't want you to do that. God doesn't like that. Don't do that. And John looked around and said, what? And Sarah said, I'm telling you to stop that. And he dropped the knife and walked out of the crate and Sarah, you know, she didn't approach them. She didn't like get really close. She was standing 
a distance away and she was standing right in front of the door of somewhere she could tuck in. But she said, you know, I, I knew them and I knew him well enough to know that he was a religious person when he wasn't drunk. And that if I told him God didn't want him to do it, he might hear me. So basically, you know, if she had gotten all frightened and thought, oh, no, this guy is going to come after me next and all. But she just she had the presence of mind and the calm and the and the level of thinking to say, I can stop this. I'm, I can stay safe and stop this. And that's kind of how we live when we're not taking things personally. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about her. It's between the two of them. And she knew something that the other guy didn't know to say to him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's, uh, you know, we talk about the neutrality, I guess, is another word for impersonal. Just being able to be in neutral, to be able to let your thinking come to you, not just fill your head with a lot of fearful thoughts every time you see something. You know, one of the um, things in my the my men's violent group that I do is I asked him Thursday night, I said, how many of you guys think that people don't respect you? And 90% <laughs> of them raised their hands. And the oh, only yeah. one that didn't is a 20-year-old, so I don't think he's old enough to... To, to think people should respect him, right? But it, it it's interesting because when you get that on your mind, whatever it is, if you think people don't respect you, that's what you hear. And so when people say things with an attitude or they get, you know, reactive or they're, they're having their own insecurity going on, they interpret that as being about them, Right. And so when people have a bad feeling, frequently people will do that. They'll think that that person's bad feeling is about me. And how dare that be about me? Because I didn't do anything. It's not my fault. How dare right. you not respect me? You know, it's like you get this, in Hawaii, they call it dantara. You get this dantara attitude, like uh, <laughs> very kind of full of yourself. Like, how dare you say that to me? Of all the nerve. I know when I get that of all the nerve feeling, uh, my ego has been totally uh, in uh, connected there and I am uh, in my thoughts in my thoughts about people because there's been many times like I give an example um, we were in Boston doing a conference for three principles back in I don't know when it was a long time ago I lived 86 in- I think um, no it was no it was just another must have been another one this is the 90s okay. must have been the 90s 90. okay. I was married so it was after mm-hmm. that but it was in the 90s sometime. I think. Anyway, um, it was before cell phones uh, were, before texting, actually, I think. So it was, it was in the early to mid 90s. And I did this um, talk with uh, Gordon Trockman, who is a psychiatrist. And our talk was not very full of feeling. It was got, it, we got really, into, it was intellectual. And um, afterwards, I was absolutely mortified. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. I was so embarrassed. And I was like (laughs) beating myself up in my head like, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. So I went home. And when I got home, I got a letter in the mail. It was addressed to me. And I opened it up. And it was a piece of paper. And it said, "Um, take this course to be a good public speaker. And somebody (laughs) wrote on there, I thought you might like this, Chris. And I thought, (gasps) oh. this is somebody that was at the conference and they knew I did a really bad job and they're telling me I should take this class. 
And I got <laughs> so upset about it. I was just mortified. And I decided then I was never going to speak at a conference again. Oh, no. And I didn't. I didn't for several years. I just said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm a terrible speaker. I'm not going to do it. And then um, I was, uh, I had developed the clinic in Hawaii and I had kind of went, we went from like 18 employees to 65 in, in, a, in a few months. And, and so we wanted to talk about this. I did a, people wanted me to talk about how to build a business, how to create a, a, a business from this understanding. So I agreed to do it. And in preparing for this, I, my husband helps me. I got this, you know, thing online to, create a speech and to make sure it's all done appropriately, you know, and I got, <laughs> really was into it and I was on my way to do it. And when I got there, one of my friends, Lynn Keys, uh, came up to me and she said, um, oh, Chris, you know, I'm so looking forward to your talk. And I said, yeah, this is the first time I've talked at a conference for several years because, and I tell her the story, right? And, and I tell her about this letter that I got. And she goes, oh, I know. I get those, too. I, I don't know who, who gets that mailing list, but we, we get them all the time. I was like, you do? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I do. It's like, oh. and in that moment, I this wasn't about me at all. It just was random that it happened and happened to get to me right at that time when I, in my mind, did it with my job. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a great story, though. That's really a great story. Yeah, it had nothing to do. With it. The person wrote it wasn't even at isn't it wasn't even at the conference, right? It's like it was just mailing list that I'm on that that went out. <laughs> but that's what we do is we we just take things so personally. So you know, I was like, well, the nerve! How dare they do? You know, and yeah. and that's what what happens with people is that they take their other people's thinking to heart, yeah. and they make up a story about it, about why they're doing that. Right. But and we never know why other people are doing what they're doing. Right. That, and no one knows why we're doing what we're doing either. Right. So, and you know, the thing, the thing that saves people is to realize that, you know, I think, I think that Sid used to talk about kind of the cosmic humor, you know, that the humor in life and that you can find the humor in life if you realize that uh, if everybody was running around taking everybody else's thinking seriously, we would have a terrible world, really? you know, because there, there's no telling why they say or think what they think. And, and when people are in a really insecure state of mind, and it is all about them, they often say things that are quite rude. Yeah, because they 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 get into self defense mode before they need to. You know, they don't even need to. Right. And uh, I, I've learned to, you know, it, it. I remember my when when my uh, when my grandson was in art school. He told me one time. He said the only hard part about being an artist is that you have to be able to accept criticism that you know is right and you hate it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what they do. They critique each other's work. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's true. But isn't that true of everything in life? And he said, well, I only notice it <laughs> when it's about my art. <laughs> and that's because that's what's, you know, that's at the time. That was his whole focus in life was his art. And uh, that's where he was going to make his living and be famous and all these things. And so 
you know, if somebody said something about his art, he got his back up right away. But you could say, you know, your hair looks terrible and he goes, I don't care. (laughs) And so we all have our thing. Right. I used to have a thing about not being professional. I wanted to, I was very important to me that people see me as professional. And um, so if somebody treated me as though I wasn't professional, you know, worthy of being treated as a professional, especially when I was younger, I would get very defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are a lot of people that just don't treat people very well. It's not personal. <laughs> they were saying, oh, this lady isn't professional. I'm just going to be rude to her. There are rude people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are people that get in a, in a mood and do rude things. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to just kind of laugh at life and see that, you know, neutrality and not taking things personally and seeing the impersonal nature of all of our interactions is really helpful. Yeah. You know, when, when everybody probably at some, I mean, there's supposed to be some people that are really insecure and never open their mouth, but anybody that's insecure or thinks too much and opens their mouth tends to put their foot in it once in a while. And <laughs> You know, so I always figure that, you know, somebody else is doing that, you know, it's like there, but by the grace of God, go I, and I'm glad it wasn't me this time. And I try to be as graceful as I can, um, without, um, you know, taking it personally because, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of chuckle and say, oh, that's true. Like, um, I used Kristen Mansheim and I used to do these trainings down in Des Moines, Iowa. And um, we, after each training, we would do an evaluation. And the, after the first one, she said, oh, I can't wait to see the evaluations. And I was like, really? Why? <laughs> and she said, well, because I might learn something. I can do a better job next time. And I thought, well, that's a different way of thinking about it. Because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to look at any, I don't want to get any negative feedback about what, what I did wrong. I don't, I can't handle, you know, finding <laughs> out they didn't like what I said or that it didn't, didn't make sense to them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so she says, Oh yeah, I can't wait to look at it again. Wait to see what you're saying. I'm like, wow, that is a totally different way of looking at it. I said, what I said was like, it's in the past. It's not like we can redo it, but um, yeah, Oh, it, it's like we have to be able to um, learn from it, she says, you know. And I, yeah. she says, I, if I can see something that I said that worked out or something that didn't work out, then next time I can like do it differently. I said, well, we'll be different people next time. It'll be a different event, but I could really tell like, <laughs> I didn't want to look at that because I didn't want to get any negative. <laughs> <laughs> so she taught, yeah. me a lot. It taught me a lot, like, oh, okay. All right, yeah. give it to me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong because – yeah. That I don't have to take that personally, but it was a ooh, it was a hard one to see for me. Yeah, and see, see what's what. Just if you can take the example of what Chris just said, she can laugh at it now. Mm-hmm. You know, because in the moment she had this thought, no, I don't want to say anything negative about me. It'll make me feel bad, and then I won't do as well. And that's just a thought. And when she realized that people have different thoughts about feedback, she just went, "Oh, well, maybe I could learn something." And that's the idea. You know, if you're not really wedded to taking things personally, you might have a moment where you take something personally, but then you step back and go, oh, no, let me see if there's something I'm missing here. Mm -hmm. And that makes your life a thousand times easier. 
A thousand times, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was first learning this, I went down for my first three-week training with uh, Enrique Suarez and Roger Mills. And after about the second week, Roger told me, he said, you know, you got a big ego. And I was like, oh, what? And I went home and cried for three days. I mean, I was <laughs> so insecure. I cried for three days. I was going to pack up my suitcase and go home. And I was a bad person. And, you know, how dare he say I had a big ego. And 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 so I was talking to Dr. Suarez and, and I, he could tell I'd been crying for three days, right? So he goes, what happened, Chris? I said, well, Roger said, da, 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 da. And he said, well, now, Roger probably shouldn't have said that, but your bad feeling is your bad feeling. So that's yours to change. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's true. And it was, there was something about my not being a victim that I got from that, you know, like, If I'm taking something personally, I have to be in that bad feeling. I'm creating that. He's not creating that. He maybe shouldn't have said that, but actually I'm sure it was absolutely harmless on his part, but I was so insecure that I heard like, I think I'm better than other people. I think I'm a big, you know, I'm full of it. And there was truth in that too. I mean, because, you know, I'd had this huge shift and I was this new student and blah, 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 and went to my head. And, and it, I expected so much of myself, right? But that was like, it was like, okay, Chris, yeah, you shouldn't have said that, but you know, your bad feeling is still your bad feeling. And I went like, yeah, that's what I have to yeah. clean up. And that's the good news because that the only thing that we can change is ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So with that. With that, see if you can... Go through your life this week, and when you start to take something personally, remember it's just you thinking. Yeah. And have a great week, and we'll we'll have something else to say next week. Yeah, take care. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 